Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome to Hashtag Gen Z. I'm your host, Megan Grace. Welcome back. This is episode 40 of Hashtag Gen Z. Our deep dive into cohort culture continues. I sometimes get asked how I even define a cohort. I tend to use anthropologically inspired definitions of culture. The idea that a group of people who share a set of values, behaviors, perspectives, and customs. To me, this really fits the idea of generations when we think about culture and cohorts. While Corey and I conduct generational research, to better understand cohort culture, we know we're not alone in this space. And we're actually very happy about that. Um, It's so helpful to have others that are contributing to the knowledge base because it's so hard, if not impossible, to fully capture a generation in a single study or body of research. This is exactly why we need multiple methods of inquiry, collection, and reporting. So not to get too academic-y or data nerdy, but if we wanna quantify and capture culture, it requires many types of research, which is why this episode is such a fun one. In this episode, I reconnect actually with a guest from season two. You might remember him from the episode on communicating with Gen Z. Andrew Roth is the founder and CEO of DCDX, a Gen Z research and strategy firm helping brands truly understand Gen Z. DCDX is an innovative firm changing the way research is done. Working with partners like YouTube, Chipotle, Denny's, and Quizlet, DCDX helps the world's top companies reveal real and raw Gen Z behaviors to build stronger brand futures. At their core, Andrew and his team are just your average Gen Zers, fueled by a burning desire to give their generation and the next a better life. And as they say at DCDX, to make the future human. So please help me in welcoming Andrew back to the podcast. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm excited every episode, I will say that, but I always love when I get to welcome back a former guest because it's like saying hello again to a friend. Um, In this episode, as you know, I'm very excited to welcome back Andrew Roth. We talked in season two. Um, He's done so much in those three years now. I've had to do the math on on how long it's been since we last chatted. And it's been amazing to see, you know, everything unfold with your career. Last time we chatted was in 2019. You were finishing up school at Vanderbilt where we originally came connected and you're really in the process of launching and building Gen Z designs. So catch us up what's been going on the last three years. Obviously a lot has happened in the world, but like what's been going on in the world of Andrew and, and welcome back by the way. Thank you. And thank you so much for, for bringing me back. It's excited to reconnect with you and, 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 and chat again. And yeah, certainly a lot going on in the world. It's funny, 2019, I remember where I was, I was sitting in a, in a classroom at, at Vanderbilt and, uh, how times have changed from then, that's for sure. So um, now I'm sitting in a in a room in Lisbon, Portugal. I've been being doing a nomad life for for six or seven months now, but um, I've been running Gen Z Designs now, DCDX, full time for for about a year after graduating in, in 2021, and things are 
going great. We have four full-time people on board. We were working with Google, YouTube, Chipotle, Denny's, Quizlet, some of the brands I've admired growing up and very exciting times and uh, and excited to dive into the, the, the heart of the Gen Z conversation here. I'm first of all, I couldn't remember. It's like if you graduated in 2020 or 2021, but we are two Vanderbilt pandemic graduates. What a time to graduate as a door. Uh, what a time to graduate in general. But it goes to show you can go off and still have a great career. Um, and it is just, as I've said, been wonderful to really watch you evolve your practice. I remember meeting you when you were a student and you're like, I'm going to do this. I'm like, that's awesome. Go for it. And you really are going for it. And the fact you've expanded to four full time people amazing. You've recently evolved what we knew as Gen Z designs, which I thought was great then. Um, But, you know, sometimes different times call for different things. So you've evolved Gen Z designs into DCDX. What is it and what inspired that change? Yeah, DCDX is a Gen Z research and strategy firm. So not significantly different in in the, the what we do then Gen Z designs. However, the focus has has really shifted in, in, in a bit just at the broader scale of, of what we're trying to set out to accomplish. Uh, Gen Z designs was a Gen Z focused, uh, you know, in, in all intents and purposes, Gen Z focused firm. Uh, I think as as we did research and as we as we grew, one thing I quickly realized was you know while while Gen Z is the core of of what we're doing and of our focus, culture and the movement of culture around Gen Z dictates just as much as the generation itself. Um, and, and it is a two-way street, but that is exactly that relationship, that two-way street between culture and Gen Z is what DCDX means. It stands for the rate of cultural change. It's a, it's a nod to the derivative uh, form of DYDX and, and where C stands for culture. And so everything we do, everything we study is about how is culture changing? Where is it going? And how does that impact the X? How does that impact Gen Z? How does that impact other generations to come? And how does that change going forwards? I'm so excited to be talking with you about this. It's just like, you know, like when the universe is like, y'all need to get together and hang out. Um, as you know, this this season is focused on culture and uh, this mindset that just like as you're experiencing a new culture living in Portugal, there's a different set of values and behaviors and, and things and customs and celebrations and things that are cool, things that are not cool. Um, and that is so present. And you're, you see that every single day. That is present with generations as well. And so um, I'm just really elated that we were able to connect and and be able to chat more about that. So I know you talked that you all are doing research and strategy around Gen Z. You talked a little bit about the goals with DCDX. How do you achieve that? I mean, without giving away your secret sauce, I know that with Gen Z designs, you really had this, uh, I don't want to say algorithm, but you had really this metric system you were using to help companies um, understand, like, are you aligning and are you engaging Gen Z effectively? How has that evolved, if any, into what you're doing with DCDX. Yeah, it, it has evolved. And, and, you know, the the core of what we started with Gen Z Designs was trying to think about measurement and culture in a different way. And I think with DCDX now, the focus has been beyond just what does something mean for Gen Z, but how do we really change methods of research to understand and unlock culture at a different level? Because as a Gen Zer, and I, myself and my peers, we've done research on this itself, but like we don't fill out surveys, right? We, the, the traditional forms of measurement don't work as well with this generation. And, and if we're filling out a survey, it's we're either clicking to the end or you know, on TikTok at the same time or you know whatever we're doing to just be doing something else at the same time or not really truly giving our, our real value. And so companies have relied on those traditional methods forever. And 
you know, we came into this to say, how, how do we, how do we change that? But also how do we evolve that with culture itself? And so the, the Gen Z score is, is what I think you were referring to earlier. And that for us is a, is a measurement of, of cultural relevance. We really have to try to understand that the popularity and relevance of, of user generated content, which is really the, the, the currency of culture today. Um, how do we measure that? And how does that how does that change when a brand launches an activation or, or launches a new product? Uh, and so that's what we study on one side. On the other side, we have the heart of Gen Z and a network of seventy five thousand Gen Zers themselves on Instagram. Right, we're we're launching Instagram polls as a as a as a platform that Gen Zers are on to to uh, to to respond to their friends to 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 engage with them in the conversations there and to collect that research as a as research. And, and that's it's it's been a challenge in some ways just. To, to kind of defy the, the previous standards of a traditional industry. But at the same time, um, the people we work with absolutely love it and they want more and more. And, and we're seeing that it's becoming more accepted, which is, which is always a positive, a positive sign. Absolutely. Um, for, I got two things. So first, uh, I apologize if I've ever responded to your Instagram polls because I thought they were just for friends and I'm too old. Um, so toss mine out. I'm the outlier. I don't even fit your age demographics. So just like toss mine out next time. But I just love to take the polls. Um, apologies for muddying up your data set. Um, but I think it's so interesting because for what you do and what we do, uh, being more in alignment with say social science and social demography, we have to survey. Um, and so it's interesting because I know that I look at what we do as more say like climate snapshots. Um, and I'm sure you've kind of followed along with our research. It's it's different than what you all are doing. But I think what people can, when they say like, how do I figure out what Andrew and Megan are both producing to understand Gen Z? We look at it from a, let's look at 30,000 foot at an important time. What you all do, I think is important in the sense that it fills in quickly. So whereas like me and my research partner are like, here's just more of the underlying large scale themes of what's going on with Gen Z. And here's where we're seeing it over a decade of time. You and your company are able to say, well, this is what's happening very promptly in 2022 in this quarter, or this is what's happening in an immediate reaction to whatever is happening. And I think that the pace of both of those things is important um, because as you've probably learned, quantifying an entire generation or developing themes is almost nearly impossible with one data set or one um, method of collection because, and that's the beauty of research. I mean, I think if, if Vanderbilt University is listening to their graduates are out here doing important research in different ways. Um, and I think that it's, it's wonderful because I think that you and I could probably talk for three hours about how what you're finding aligns with what we're finding in different ways. Because it, I think that as I've started to understand culture of a generation is that it's not just one study. Like we might do one study and then we'll look to what's going on with the census and then we'll look what's going on with maybe a study done by EY or Pew Research Center. But then we're like, hmm, this is an interesting theme. I wonder what Andrew and DCDX is finding in a very temporal right now standpoint of how this illuminates. And I think that that's such an important interplay that some people might misunderstand about generational study is that you can't just have one data source. Uh, because there's no way to capture one data source of an entire population of a generation. So I am just absolutely fascinated. I also love the methods that you all are using. It is so timely. Um, I think it's at the cutting, really at the cutting edge of what's important to market, like, and what is important to consumers in the sense of the people that care about 
eyeballs or dollars spent or um, engaging their target audience, being able to do that in a way uh, that feels natural to them, like you've mentioned through social media in other settings, whether that's community-based surveying or not surveying, um, community-based data collection, I think is um, probably really what supports how you're able to work the brands that you're working with. Am I wrong? I think that I think that it's just, it's fascinating. Um, I love being able to talk with people that do similar but different work uh, than we do. So as I mentioned, you know, this season is very focused on cohort culture. And understanding that I think is important. A lot of people are trying to figure out still to this day, like what makes Gen Z tick? I feel like you are going to be able to help us answer that very, very uh, robustly. Um, from your perspective in the work that you're doing, what are the things that we need to know about Gen Z cohort culture without giving away too much? Uh, but what are some of the things that you're finding? You're like, these are the fundamentals. Like we, we got to hit these points. Or just about the, about the culture of the generation, you know, what are some of the fundamentals that are like, if I had to put down the, the top three to five things that are a part of our culture, what is it? Yeah. I think the, the first one that I tend to think about is, is, is the and really the, the core of what we focus on is there's a lot of things that are said about this generation you know it's a very it's a very newsworthy generation in many ways whether it's going to the theater in minions you know in a suit for, for minions or or you know causing causing the latest election crisis like it, it's frequently in the news and i think a lot of times those stories and those 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 titles get um synced up with these superficial stats you know gen z loves authenticity for Gen Z is nostalgic, Gen Z this and that. And I think what we see time and time again is that this is a generation of contradictions, right? This is a generation where there's things happening that get said on the, on, on the front and in the back, kind of deep down, there's, there's the opposite happening, right? You look at something like sustainability, you know, the, 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 the most climate forward and climate friendly generation at the same time is buying Xi'an or I don't think anyone ever knows how to pronounce it, but the, you know, these, these fast fashion brands and, and, and fueling the, the, the climate crisis at the same time. And so like, I think one thing we, we look at a lot is it goes, be, that's a common example that gets referenced, but it goes way beyond that as well. You know, we're, we're the most digitally connected and, and we're, we're, we're always talking to each other, always with friends, but at the same time, we're also the loneliest and the most depressed. And so how do those two things coexist at the same time? Um, and really those, there is pretty much a contradiction within every facet of the cohort itself. Um, and I think understanding why those happen and, and how they come to be is, is what we focus on is what we typically tend to tell people is that the one stat you're looking at is not going to explain this generation and nothing, no one stat will explain the generation. Absolutely. I think that that's a, I've never thought about it of like everything being a contradiction because that almost sounds like a negative take. But as I hear you talk about it from your perspective, and I hear this with the clients and clients and campuses that I work with is I think of it more as this like double-edged sword type of situation like just like you pointed out around um connection how beautiful is it to be able to connect with anyone at any point in anywhere in the world like you and I are able to connect and we're worlds away right now um but at the same time it's not like I can take you to coffee you know like uh, there is this element of like we don't actually get to be together in a human like in-person sense uh, and I, that's not the only contradiction but I, I think of it almost of maybe Gen Z is actually very cognizant of these contradictions and the awareness of these contradictions is actually helping them position the fact that being a human being is difficult um 
And I think that it's almost this willingness of a younger generation to role model how difficult these contradictions are because some of the things that Gen Z experiences, um, other generations also experience, but they're not experiencing it at the same age and the same developmental stage as these other generations. And so I'm just wondering, it's it's kind of like that whole, like I find the one that people always glom onto is like Gen Z is the most depressed, anxious generation to date. Like that one really, really bothers me because I do think that there is an element of depression and anxiety with young people that is present with Generation Z, but it also comes with the fact that we have better recognition and support of some of these things. And so are they actually role modeling they being Gen Z, are, are, are y'all role modeling the fact that like, maybe we actually are doing a better job at reducing stigma and providing support for people that are having a human experience. And so I've never really thought about like the contradictions as you've put it as maybe that's a positive thing. Um, there's almost like this grappling with and this acceptance that like, yes, being a human is really hard. Um, and sometimes it's contradictory, but that doesn't diminish the fact that we are human and we're going through these things and this is our lived experience. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, I think there are positive strings to pull out of it. I think the, like the, the to your point, you know, on even to go back to the fashion example, you know, being climate, climate focused, but also buying fast fashion, like that only happens because we're in a developmental stage of our life as Gen Zers, where we are forced to make decisions in school on, on what to wear that are being influenced by an increasingly fast speed of culture that is, is driven by TikTok. And so when a new dress comes out or a new, you know, a new outfit comes out, new fashion, that's going to go out of fashion in a week where if you don't jump onto that, then you're no longer in the popular circle. Then you're no longer being seen by your friends as someone who's, who's valid. Like that means you have to go buy Sheen or have to go buy H&M or have to go buy Zara. And, and those, those are decisions that, that, that create a contradiction within the human, which is like, which side do I align with? Who am I? And those are difficult decisions for anyone to make, but as a, as an 18 year old, as a, as a 15 year old, as a 22 year old, like those are extremely difficult because we, we haven't really developed our sense of identity yet. And so I think that's like a, yeah. The, the price of social currency, like I've never thought about in that capacity of um, the things that are cool, I think. Um, you know, teenagers and young people and young adults have always like been, uh, there's a really great, uh, podcast and it might even be a book by Malcolm Gladwell that talks about like, if you want to know what's going on in culture, you talk to the teenage girl. Like they were all being like, Harry Styles is the business before the rest of us were like, have you heard that song? Um, like that it's true. Teenage girls are like really the holders of what's cool. And with that, I, I, to your point, I think the young people are always going to want that connection to a community like there's nothing wrong with that that acceptance but what is considered the signifier of being accepted or have that social currency turns over at a much faster rate so like when I was in high school the cool item whatever it was I went to the Catholic high school so there's only so much cool clothing you could wear at the time but it was shoes and you know like it would have been like a year or two where this was the cool shoe would you say that now it's like the cool shoe changes every other day like and that's so many shoes and so this is just an interesting path I wasn't expecting going down and understanding like social currency changes but that's also kind of why your company needs to exist to help kind of keep pulse on what is cool at a rate that is able to really capture that yeah exactly and I think for us it's it's less about what is cool and how do we get you know our our partners to make a you know decide on that or work with that in an instant more like what is cool what is 
cool at, a, at, a, at an increasing rate? And then where's that going to be in three to five years? And then how do we predict those and, and be in that place? And I think from a, that also for us aligns more with like our mission and what we're trying to accomplish, which is to actually go the opposite direction of this trend cycle. Like this is a harmful cycle that we're in of, of increasing rate. I mean, it seems that everything, not just fashion trends are increasing at an increasing rate, like yeah, terrible news, things going on in the world, like things just seem to be happening more and more. At the same time, our exposure to it is also increasing. And so we're trying to kind of draw the larger scale out of that and say, how do we move away from these, these micro trends and look at the broader, broader behaviors and broader trends at scale to actually develop like human first technology, develop human first products that, that enable this generation and the next to live a happy life because that's what we all want. Yeah. Fascinating. Again, I could, I feel like you and I could, maybe I'll just have to fly to Portugal and we'll just like sit and talk for an entire day. Uh, we don't record it. People won't tune into an eight hour episode or maybe they would. Um, so, you know, we've talked about contradictions and, and I don't know if that necessarily relates fully to my, uh, my next question, but from your perspective and, and you've been doing this for a few years now, um, you've worked with a number of clients. Like, what do you think is something that is potentially misunderstood about this generation and like generation Z culture in general? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I mean, my, my, my go-to answer is usually around contradictions, but I think to take it, I guess, a, a step further is, is to, to try and understand the generation itself. I feel like is, and perhaps this is just something that happens with every generation, but I think especially because of the speed of culture today, um, to understand doesn't just mean to have a conversation with a Gen Zer. It doesn't just mean to, to commission a report and and now your your you know, brand is, is fully 100% Gen Z knowledgeable. Um, because culture is moving so fast that that report will no longer be you know, what is what is the best practice in, in a month or, or a week. And so I think the most misunderstood thing is that it's possible to to totally understand the generation. I mean, I like it would be I would be lying to you if I said I understand everything about this generation as a as a Gen Zer that studies Gen Z every day. You know, it's like things change so fast, and we are evolving and understanding ourselves at, at different rates. And I think in order to get there, in order to understand, you have to first accept that like that is just a part of of the cycle. Here is that there are things you won't understand, and and I don't know. It's it which is a contradiction itself. So that brings us back to the contradiction conversation, but. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think that's the, the, where I would where I would take that. I think that is um, I really appreciate you saying that because I imagine that you get in your line of work. I get it similarly of like I sometimes feel like I have to play. I'm not necessarily I could never say like I know everything about Gen Z because I really, really don't. Um, that's me being completely upfront is like I know what I can know to the extent that I have the time and the energy to learn as much as I can. Right. Um I also am not a member of Generation Z and I really appreciate you saying that because sometimes people will ask like, well, you're in Gen Z, be the voice of the entire generation. And that's a, a that's a lot of pressure to put on someone and B, is that even really realistic? Um, but I appreciate your framing of that, of it is impossible to know everything about a generation. Um, I've been doing research around Generation Z, which is coming up on 10 years now, and I'm still learning things. And it is because things are evolving, um, but our world evolves very quickly. And it is difficult to truly, truly, truly capture everything about a generation. We're still learning about millennials. We've understudied Generation X. Baby boomers, we kind of, we know what we can, but we weren't really studying 
studying them at the time in which we probably should get that we're studying other generations. And so um, maybe you and I both have our life's work cut out for us in the sense that um, our jobs will never be done and we can never really put a bow on it. But um, I think that is an important thing that people understand is uh, we're always learning about generations because humans change, culture changes, cohorts change. Um, And I really appreciate that perspective um, and that honesty, because I'm sure sometimes people look to you and they're like, well, how come you don't know this really nuanced one question that was inspired by one observation I had about one Gen Z one time? But I I think you make a good point, which is that you can't rely on a single voice or even the loudest voices. You know, I think the example I like to use around this is, yes, this generation is viewed as progressive and we, you know, very well might be more so than a different generation. But if we look at the loudest voices within the generation and just listen to those, you're going to get one side of the story, right? And like, clearly in the last election, that was a different story that was the result. And whether that was a Gen Z vote influence, maybe, maybe not. But like, there are many voices within this generation that that probably dictate more of the culture than we expect, that don't get heard and don't get listened to and don't influence reports, don't influence research, don't influence the conversations we have about them. And I think that's part of our goal is unlocking that behavior. Like, and it's not just conservative, Democrat, like it's not that, it's more of like the voices that don't post on TikTok, the voices that don't you know, do the, the, the things that get seen, how do we understand them and how much of culture do they really drive? Yeah. Well, and, and I mean that it, it's all about how you really think about how do you quantify culture is a, another piece of that, I think, of if you're trying to find the voices that aren't the loudest, if you're, you know, not to get nerdy, besides, you know, Andrew and I being the data, the data kids in the room, uh, that center bell curve, right? Those 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 middle deviations or the, really the one deviation away from the mean, that's really where we're trying to capture because as you've identified those outliers, those really, and, and I don't want to disparage those people, but like the ones that are extremely loud or extremely um extreme examples of culture are not always the true representation of the entire culture, but they're the easiest to be attracted to, if that makes sense, you know? So like we could always say like, well, oh, look at a Gen Z influencer and they're going to be an example of Gen Z. Well, they're going to be an example of a very small subset of Gen Z, the influencer culture of Gen Z. But what about the the masses? And I think that's where um, you're probably seeing this with the huge community that you have. You said 70,000 people. It's a great sample of people to be able to pull from because those are probably your everyday, not Gen Z influencers that still have a valid and important voice to help add into the full understanding of what's going on with culture because culture isn't just one or two people that you know, represent. This is, you know, this isn't student council. We don't get one representative per grade, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Let's not go down that path. That I mean, we could, but again, no one wants an eight-hour podcast. Um, well, Andrew, you know, I ask every one of my guests. Uh, it's kind of my my question that I, I love to just kind of have continuity throughout. Uh, what is your favorite thing about your Gen Z peers? And before you answer this. I'm going to go back and listen to who, what you said three years ago after we record and see if it's the same, but what is your favorite thing about Gen, your Gen Z peers? <laughs> okay. I actually, I don't remember what I said three years ago, which is. I don't either. That's why I have to go back and listen. It was an important conversation. Don't get me wrong though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think my favorite thing is despite all of the world um, that we persist um, you know, I think even though if persist means dealing with trauma and sadness through making humor, you know, humorous comments on TikToks or, or, or 
however we're expressing that there is nothing that can compare to like the trauma that this generation faces as in a classroom you know like like you should not be scared going to school every day but at the end of the day like these are things that we've accepted and again whether that acceptance is is in a, in a healthy way or not we have accepted them and they're a part of our lives now and i think um i i kind of i mean i don't wish but like i just i wish i would have been interested to see what a response like this would have looked like 40 40 or 50 years ago to generations that didn't have access to the tools that we have today and, and i think it just it shows me so much about the the character and the and like the the hope i have that's that's why i'm hopeful for the future because i i believe in the peers and i believe in 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 how we can persist through all this and i think i'm i'm optimistic that we will we are the ones that will will make some change in and what we're seeing around us. I love that answer. I, I think that there's a misunderstanding, that might be the misunderstanding that I would throw out there about this generation is that you are more resilient than a lot of people give you all credit for, um, considering the world in which you're being raised in and how you're able to navigate that. Like I think about if I was the same age um, with uh, as some of the things that are going on, like high schoolers today, um, I don't know if I would be as mentally tough um, and so I give you all credit for also going through some really terrible things, having a lot of access to seeing some terrible things happen in the world, um, and still role modeling some really positive, ethical, um, and good behaviors as, as humans, you know? Um, and I credit you all for the, the openness and vulnerability that you have about the fact that like being a human is hard and sharing about that is totally okay. Um, so man, every time I record an episode, all I do is just say how much I love Gen Z. Um, because I do, you're just wonderful. Well, Andrew, it has been so great to connect with you again, hear what you're working on. Um, really it's, it's awesome to just check in and see how your career has changed, um, how it's evolved. Um, but really just felt right to have you part of this conversation this season, as we're talking about culture, um, so I know people will probably want to be interested in following along in some of the work that you do uh, because you're putting out wonderful insights. Can you share with some of uh, the listeners where they can follow along with the work that you're doing, where they can find you, if there's Gen Z listeners, how they might be able to engage with you in the work that you're doing? Yeah, totally. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, our, you can find anything we're doing at dcdx.co, easy six letters, which was a helpful part of the name change. Um and uh, otherwise, you can connect with me always, Andrew at ECDX.co or on Twitter at Drew S. Roth. And um, for Gen Zers involved, uh, good timing. We're, we're always looking for more to join our, our community of, for research. Um, you get paid for, for, for participating, and it's a good way to, to pay for the weekends, to pay for you know, pay for a trip to the, to the movies, whatever you, you know, whatever you're using it for. And, and I think um, it also gives you a chance to, to have your voice heard and, and the voice of your community, whether that's a loud voice or a quiet voice, it's, it's a voice and it matters. So that's, um, that's what we're here for. And, and feel free to, to connect with me on, on anywhere through our website, through, through Twitter or, or LinkedIn, and I'll, I'll get you in the right spots. So thanks Megan for the opportunity. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, you're so welcome. Um, and this is a personal plug. If you're on LinkedIn, connect with Andrew because I always feel like you're posting some really insightful stuff or at least I feel like the LinkedIn algorithm knows to send me your, your stuff because I always feel like you're throwing out some good insightful things out there as well. Um, but Andrew, it's been so great to connect um, and enjoy your time in Portugal. Thank you. The, 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 there's an offer for an outstanding coffee in, in Portugal when you, when you make it over. So. Wonderful. Can't wait.
<laughs> All right. Thanks again, Megan. I want to thank Andrew for joining me for another great conversation. It's been incredible to see Andrew's career and work with Gen Z research unfold. From the first chat we had, I knew Andrew would be at the forefront of helping others understand this generation, and he hasn't slowed down. While our work is different, it's wonderful to connect with others who are contributing to the knowledge base with the goal of better understanding generations. I love Andrew's and DCX's approach in working to stay in lockstep with Gen Z culture and how that work is aiding in greater awareness of what moves a generational cohort. Be sure to connect with them on LinkedIn, uh, but you can also find more information about DCDX at dcdx.co. Before we wrap up this episode, I wanna remind you of some recent news. The Gen Z Hub, which has been the home for our Gen Z research and resources for the last few years, is now officially the Institute for Generational Research and Education. This is a newly established nonprofit that I will help lead with Dr. Corey C. Miller. Our mission is to foster better understanding, appreciation, and collaboration between generations through providing research and knowledge dissemination about generational trends, characteristics, behaviors, and outlooks as they impact intergenerational engagement. We are nowhere near done with our exploration of Gen Z, but we are preparing to expand our work in other generational studies. You can learn more about our work and check out our new website at instituteforgens.org. That's institute, the number four, gens.org. And thank you for tuning into this episode. As always, if you enjoyed, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This not only helps me improve the podcast, but it helps other, other listeners find the show. Stay tuned as we continue to explore Gen Z cohort culture in upcoming episodes. I'm biased, but the guests we have on deck are pretty awesome. However, if there's something you want to learn about, I'll happily make that happen. Please reach out via my website, meganmgrace.com, or on social media to share any questions or suggestions you have. Thank you again for stopping by for this episode. Let's continue this conversation. We'll chat soon. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.